Would you turn to 2 Samuel chapter 6? 2 Samuel chapter 6 is where we're going to be out of this morning. And, and I, I know that the Lord is going to speak volumes to us today out of, this, out of this passage of Scripture. We were in the first part of chapter 6 last week. Uh, we're going to pick up here, um, there towards the middle of the chapter. 2 Samuel chapter 6. We're going to start there with verse 18. And if you would do something with me this morning, would you all stand and get some blood circulating? But in reverence to the Word of God, let's stand today. 2 Samuel chapter 6, starting there with verse 16. And the ark of the Lord came into the city of David. Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the windows and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts and distributed among all the people the whole multitude of Israel, both men and women, a cake of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins to each one. Then all the people departed, each to his home. And David returned to bless his household, but Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself before the eyes of his servants his female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And David said to Michael, It was before the Lord, who chose me above your father and above all his house, to appoint me as prince over Israel and the people of the Lord. And I will celebrate before the Lord. I will make myself, myself yet more contemptible than this. And I will be abased in your eyes. But by the female servants of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. Would you pray with me? Thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are today. Lord, would you allow us to allow these words just to, to wash over us, Lord? Do a work in our hearts today as, as we begin a 40-day challenge to reach the lost in our lives. Father, would you, would you prompt us to put you in the center? Lord, to make you the number one in our lives. And, and Father, I believe that if we are putting you as number one in our life, then when all of these, all of these days come to uh, fruition here in the next however long we have on this world, we will give every day to you. And we will... Do our best to lead people to you. Lord, you've given us everything that we need in this world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would send us forth. And God, if there are people in this place today who do not know you, that God, that you would, you would speak to their hearts today. Thank you for the goodness of your word. We ask this in your name. Amen, amen. You may be seated. You know, as we're seeing here, David, over the last couple of chapters, he's been getting right with the Lord. How many of y'all have ever gotten right with the Lord before? Raise your hand. All right, we've got four people here who are saved, okay? Do you remember the feeling there when you came to know God? 
When you came to understand that you needed a Savior and you asked Christ to be your Savior, do you remember the joy that was in your hearts? And what we see here is a, a David who had kind of neglected the call of God in his life, and he had done things as we studied in 1 Samuel when he was out being a bandit and he's doing all that he's doing there. He gets back in, in, in good standing with God, and now he's able to, to f- experience the fullness of God. He's able, there's things that change in his life now that God is back in the center. And one of the things that we find out is that he wants to bring the ark of the Lord, which was symbolic, and it was very real, by the way. When I say symbolic, I don't want you to think it's just, you know, like a lot of us, we have a cross or something or, or whatever. And, but, but the ark of the covenant was symbolic, but there was power in it. And David says, I want this back in my city. He saw where he had blessed other people, and now he wants it in the city of David. And so he brings the Ark of the Covenant into his city. And guys, I want you to, just to read that through that again. Take it home and read it all over again. Can you see the joy in David through this passage? He doesn't care what people think. He, he's just excited that his God reigns. He doesn't care what people may say about him. Even his wife comes against him. And he's able to go through all of this stuff. And I want you guys to catch this this morning. He's able to go through all of this stuff, not because he's the mighty King David, but because God is in the center of his life. That's the reason he's able to enjoy all of this. His wife was missing the point because all she could think about was, well, there's my husband running naked down the streets. There's my husband, the king, and all these people are going to be, you know, uh, thinking bad about him now. How many of you sometimes in church, be honest, don't raise your hand, but I know, you, I know you're going to raise your hand because you're at least going to raise your inside hand, okay? We have inside voices, we have inside hands. But I want you to think about this today. Have you ever been sitting in a service and you wanted to raise your hand, but you didn't because of the people around you? And not that they're bad people, you just was like, oh, I don't feel comfortable. This, this is a Baptist church. I don't feel comfortable raising my hand here. I don't feel comfortable singing out loud. I, I may not feel comfortable telling someone about Jesus. Now before we get too hard on ourselves, I want you to, to just recognize the problem and to go back to the base root here. The reason that we are like that or ever think like that is because Christ is not at the center of our life in that moment. When we fail to share the gospel with others or bless others, it's because Christ is not the center. When we come to service and all we can think about is, is time and, you know, and getting, getting from here and getting out of here and going and getting something to eat, if that's all we can, are concerned about and Christ is not the center, worship is not going to be priority, hearing the word of God is not going to be priority, and I'll, I'll venture to say that going out there and telling other people about Jesus is not going to be your priority. So Christ has to be the center. He has to be right there in the middle. And what we see here is that as David puts God in the center of his life, things begin to change, and he makes some people mad. He makes some people mad. He makes some things happen. As you guys go into this, who's your one campaign? And man, I think it would be great if everyone here would do it. But if only 10% of you guys do this, there's 10 more people. And I know that sounds great. If we had 10 more people give their life to the Lord and are baptized in the next two months, how many of y'all would be pumped about that? But can you imagine the joy in church? Catch the vision here. Let's quit playing games in church. If every blood-bought, born-again believer in Jesus went out and told their neighbors, their friends, their families, their co-workers about Jesus and were sincere in that, 
Can you imagine the revival that would happen just in our church? Church, I'm going to tell you something. This, this world is bad. There's a lot of bad things that are going on in this world. But here's the thing. Just because it's bad don't mean we have to be sad. Just because it's terrible out there it doesn't mean we have to be down and out. If today you are tired of the things of the way things are in this world, I want to prompt you to do something. I want to prompt you to go into the world and make a difference. Because I, I know that for most of you in this house today, if I was to ask you, is Jesus the Savior of your life? You're going to say, absolutely he is. Go share it. Go share it. The, the great thing about programs, I know some of you are like, oh, I don't like programs. Here's the thing. This program is, is an accountability type thing because you're writing down, you're daily praying, you're lifting this person up, and you're working to a point, and maybe it's sooner, maybe it's later, but to, you're working to a point where you're going to go talk to this person and tell them who Jesus is and what Jesus has done with you. And we need to be doing that. And if, if that seems too much or something that we don't want to do, then here's the problem. Christ is not the center of your life. As a pastor, I don't get up and preach every week just because it's a paycheck or whatever. No, I'm here, here's the reason, because Christ is at the center of my life. In Daniel's life, Christ has called me to do exactly what I'm doing. And as believers in Jesus, Christ has not called us just to come to church, but he's called us to take the church to the world and to tell people about the goodness of who Jesus is and that through his blood on the cross, they can as well be saved. That's the call. It doesn't get any more simple than that. It doesn't get any more simple than that. What happens when we put Christ in the center of our life, when God is in the center of our life? Well, first, here's, here's the first point I want us to look at today. When God is in the center of our life, we are able to worship. Now, we've kind of talked about that this morning. But I'm not just talking about worship as far as, you know, what the worship band did this morning. They do a great job, don't they? And, 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 and Sandra and Jim and, and Ms. Coffrin, y'all do an amazing job. Like we have this, this beautiful worship every Sunday that just, it just, the Lord just blesses me. But I want you to understand something today, that it's not just worship here in this house, but it's worship as you are out in the world today. As you're going from your daily chores, the things that, that, that seem mundane at times, but you're going out into the world and you're, you're seeking God's will in your life, you're going to be able to worship God through storms. You're going to be able to worship God through good times. You're going to be able to worship God through Mondays. You're going to be able to worship God through anything when God is in the center of your life. You guys see in the picture here. If you've been having a hard time worshiping lately, it's probably because Christ is not at the center of your life. Because I've got to be honest with you, when Christ is at the center of my life, I can't help but worship him. I can't. When you get into the book of Revelation, and, and the Lord's kind of been, I've been doing my own study, and I've been going through Revelation. When you get into the book of Revelation, and the, the multitudes are in heaven, and Christ is at the center, guess what they do? Do they have a potluck? You know, we got pictures about what heaven is all about. Do they have a business meeting? No, they just worship God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The multitudes worship God when he is at the center of their life. They can't help but deny him. And guys, I want to tell you something. As a born-again believer in Jesus Christ today, we should not be able to do anything else but worship God because of what he's done for us. Because of what he's done for us. And so when God is at the center of your life, you will be able to worship. In the New Testament, we read where that God is a spirit. And those that want to worship him must worship him in spirit 
and in truth. And, and it really, it, you know, I love how Scripture ties together. Amen? It's good. Because we see that worship is not just, well, Josh, we've got to do two songs, and Jim, we need one. And then y'all don't forget to do a song at the end, okay? So that's our worship service. It's deeper than that. Not just on them, but on us as, as people who are singing, right? That, that when we sing the altar call today, man, we ought to sing with so, such fervency that if there's anyone in this place today who does not know Jesus, they're going to say, I'm going to the altars because I need to get saved. I need to put Christ in the center of my life. It affects not just our life, but it affects those around us. People notice that. People notice that. I've I got a dear brother in Christ um, years and years ago. His name's Mark. And uh, I was blessed by him this past week. Uh, he gets online and he's just, he's just, uh, he just felt like he needed to get online, play his piano, and sing praises to God. And I tuned in. I, I was just walking around. Me and Jet were, or Jet, Jet, me and Sharon were up here at the church. And uh, I just, I just flipped it on. I listened to my brother sing. I had not heard him sing in like over 20, probably 20 years. We worked at Mardell together and we used to, uh, we worked in the music department. And so we got to hang out with these big shots like DC Talk and Audio Adrenaline and Third Day and Jars of Clay. You name it, we got to hang out with these guys. Because every time they came through Oklahoma City, they'd have a signing party because that's what Jesus is all about, right? Uh, a Christian rock band signing autographs. But they would come, and then we would hang out with them and take them to guitar stores and out to eat. And we were kind of like the PR folks. But these people would come to Mardell. But I got to hear my brother sing this week, and his praise was just so awesome. It was so awesome, but I remember being at work, and it's mundane work, and we're just ordering, you know, all these tracks, and ordering, you know, these new albums, and putting out stuff, and putting up with bosses, and putting up with cranky customers, but in the middle of all this, we, we took time, a whole lot of the time, just to praise God. We miss those times. We miss the opportunities to, to worship God, because why? He's not there in the center. Christ in the center of your life. Another thing that happens, the next point I want us to look at, is that when God is in the center of our lives, we are able to bless those around us. When you see that scripture there, it says here that, that David's running through the streets naked, and he's enjoying life, and he's enjoying his God. Now, by the way, I don't recommend anybody here get up and take your clothes off and run around in worship of Jesus today. There, there, there's, there's things that happen in our society today. But as king, he didn't care. He just went running through the street in his underwear, and his wife was, you know, she was, and she was embarrassed by it. But the thing is, is that as we're reading this story, when the worship was going on, he had plans to bless the people around him. And I thought it was cool because he blessed them with cake, right? Blessed them with all these treats. And not just blessed them with those things, but it says he blessed them. He prayed for them. Church, when Christ is in the center of your life, Dads, listen up. You're going to be able to bless your kids. It's hard to bless your kids when you're out here cursing the world. It's hard to bless your kids in the name of God when we're living like hell. I'm speaking right of myself because I'm not always perfect. But the thing is, is that we're able to bless our kids. We're able to bless our wives, husbands. You could be good husbands. And it's not because you're a good husband. It's because Jesus is at the center of your life. Now, wives, it's the same for you, Right? And kids, it's the same for you, and grandparents, and aunts, and uncles. You see, the point here is that when Christ is at the center of our life, we're going to be able to bless those people around us. This past week, I mean, I love ministry because you never know what you're going to do week by week. It's always something different. And I, had, I, I got to go to some people's house this week and pray with them and give them food. 
and you thought I'd given them a pot of gold, you know? And I, I was giving them, you know, the traditional <laughs> food that you get out of a pantry, you know, spicy ham and mac and cheese, you know, like things like that. And, and I, I gave them a box, and man, I'm just, I'm like, I, pi- I piled that box in, and it was like, I went in there, and I prayed with them, and I said, man, I just want y'all to know Jesus loves you, and, and I, I, anything else we can do, let me know. And, and I'm backing out of their driveway, and you could see through the window, and I felt kind of creepy, but I couldn't help but see the joy in their faces as they're sitting around the kitchen table getting the food out and going, oh, look at this. Church, you're able to bless people because we come together, and Christ is at the center. Our, our pantry, which by the way, some of us don't know that it exists, it does you know, some of the things that we're always in need of, like canned chicken, canned tuna, things like that. We, we get a lot of, you know, people's leftover, like, stuff from Thanksgiving. I, I don't know anybody that just eats beets out of a can, but that, maybe, maybe you're that type of person. But we try to put together meals to take to these folks, you know. And, 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 and it's, that happens because the church focuses with Christ on the center, and we're called to help people. We're called to help the widows, the orphans. We're called to help those who are without but we can't do that if Christ is not at the center. Operation Christmas Child, the reason I love it so much is because it's reaching the world. You're not just reaching one kid, but you're reaching a whole village and, and a family with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's really easy to do, right? How many of us are even going to miss what we donate to Operation Christmas Child? And I'm, glad, I'm glad we're doing 200, but man, Tasha, honestly, we've got five, 300. I'm sorry. There's no... <laughs> See, I'm thinking last year, right? 300 boxes this year. But, but from what I understand, Tasha, we've got 500 boxes total. We should be able to fill all of them if, if God was moving in our heart. If that was what he wanted us to do. You see what I'm saying? If Christ is at the center, then nothing's too big. And we're able to bless people around us when Christ is at the center. Aren't you glad for his goodness and grace? Because it's not us. It's not us. The last point I want to make this morning is that when God is in the center, we are able to overcome any adversity. David faces adversity, and it's not from the, the deacons in the church, okay? It's not from the, the, the CEOs, the Christmas Easter onlys that come to church. It wasn't from the board. It wasn't from anybody like that. You know who David faced problems from? His wife. His wife that he fought to get back. If you're reading through this, Michael was his wife given by Saul way back when. And then when Saul got fed up with David, David kind of was running for his life basically. Saul goes back on the agreement and gives Michael to someone else. And so when David gets back right with God, he says, you know what? God blessed me with that wife. I want her back. Now, I for the love of me, I don't know why he wanted so many wives. You know, I mean, that dude must have, he, he's just, he's a superman. Because I'm like, Joni, is she, I, I just, she's, I can't even handle her sometimes, you know. Because she, she, she's that, she's that good a woman. But it's like, how in the world? Now think about this for a moment. How in the world can we continue on if even our very families may be plotting against what God is doing in our lives? David was just wanting to live for Jesus, living for God. And so he goes out and he worships God with his whole heart. He goes home after blessing the nation, after blessing men, women, and children in his nation. He goes home, and the first thing his wife says is, man, you're an embarrassment. All them people are going to think you're some pedophile now. You're, you're exposing yourself to the nation. And he says, you know what? And I like the way the King James says it. He says, you know, you've not even seen me get undignified yet. I'm about to get way more undignified. Now, I don't know what he means there, but I'll take his word for it. But the point is, is what? Christ, God, was in the center of his life. 
And he was able to be undignified in his worship, what people considered undignified. And he goes through, and he just goes right through this. He doesn't curse his wife. He doesn't say anything bad to her. He just tells her, hey, you know what? I'm going to keep worshiping my God. I'm going to keep worshiping him for who he is. And guys, I want you to understand that you can go through any adversity in this life if Christ is at the center. What's your adversity today? What do you face? I hear a lot of people say, man, it's our nation. Guys, we, we can still pray anywhere we go. Don't even begin to act like America's a hard place for a Christian to live. You've got a church on every corner. You've got internet. You've got television. There is no reason in the world that we as Christians shouldn't thrive. And what's interesting, and you can do some like church studies, but you know where the church is thriving today? It's not America, but it's in third world countries. It's in, it's in nations where if you become a Christian, you lose citizenship, or maybe you lose your life. That's where the church is thriving. You go to China, the church is thriving there. It's, it's growing by leaps and bounds, and it's not because of the Southern Baptists or the Methodists or whoever, but guys, it's because people there are truly worshiping after God. Christ is at the center. And, and honestly, if you think about it, if, if he's all you have in that very real sense, I believe you're probably going to be stronger in your faith. And I'm not saying as an excuse for us, well, we've got it too easy. No, I'm glad we have it easy. But there's a call for us today to put God in the center of our lives. And when God is at the center of our lives, we're going to be able to worship. Amen. And when God is at the center of our life, we're going to be able to bless those around us. And when God is at the center of our life, we can go through anything. We can, we can conquer anything. I think as a church, what are, what are our, what are, what's the things we deal with here as a church? And I'll tell you some problems we have here in our church. And they're good problems, right? We're, we're growing, and we have a lot of activities going on. But we're, we're kind of like rebels, and so we never want to have a business meeting. And so what happens, like the problems we have in our church is because we don't meet, then we have people doing two different things and even trying to bless each other, but then sometimes we get offended by each other. Now we probably just need to have a business meeting, right? And just say, all right, this is what we're doing. This is the plan. Let's get on board. Uh, this morning, the worship team, myself, uh, you know, we, we're trying to orchestrate this Sunday morning thing just to be a little more organized because I know sometimes so everybody gripes that the preacher preaches too long. And, and honestly, if you get on live stream, you can say, I don't preach that long. Just like two hours, that's it right? But a lot of it's just because we're not organizing our worship. We, we need, to, we know we need to, to get to the point, right? And I think when, when it comes to ministry within the church, we need to learn to get to the point, to focus on Jesus, that when we come together, that Christ is going to do some great things. But Christ has to be the center. And when he is, it's going to bless our worship. It's going to bless our giving. And guys, it's going to bless our ability to get through anything in this life. Those are good words, Amen. Those are great things. I'm not here today to tell you bad news. I don't want you to leave here today thinking, man, this, this, this is just too heavy right now. It's too heavy. Guys, what I want you to understand is that today you can walk out of here a victor because of what Christ did at the cross of Calvary. You can walk out of here with the ability to go get your one. Why wait? If you've got that one person on your heart, and a lot of you are like, I know my one, Daniel. I know my one. Go talk to him today. This program is just to help us to, to, to really build our faith up and to build our, our, I guess our, what do you call it, our, our abilities in our minds anyways, to go out and to tell someone about Jesus. Who's your one? Who's the person that God has placed on your heart today? This morning, what I want, want you guys to do, I want you, if you, if you grab the, the notebooks that we, we, we sent out, the little packets, I want you to take that with you. If you're a version person, go home and look up who's your one. 
under Bible study apps. It's on there. If you're a Facebook person, we're going to post it uh, this evening. I'll post uh, that actually the first page of this today. And then we're going to, what I would love to see us do as a church is commit to read that together. Then next week when we pass out the little journals, I would love to see everybody going through it. What I love about the journal, the journal's cool because you go through there and it's like, Lord, today I pray for, and you write that person's name down. I pray today that, write that person's name down. And you see what I'm saying? You are, man, you, it's really putting a focus on that person and them knowing Jesus. And then you can write your actual prayer out for that person that day. And then the next day, something else. And then they give you little things like, hey, go and tell, make, sh- make sure you tell that person today what God did for you on Sunday service. Tell this person something that God has done for you. And every day, you know, there's little things that you can do. Church, here's what I'm praying. I'm praying that in 40 days, this place is twice as big. I know some of you are like, well, that's a program. It is a program, but guys, here's the thing. It's not a program when you're putting Jesus in the middle and you're saying, God, we want you to bless this. Would you guys pray with me this morning as we ask a blessing on this time in our church? Because here's what I want it to lead to. I want it to lead to revival. I want it to lead to new things. I want it to lead to new believers in Jesus Christ. I, I think it would be great if we're out here planting churches in other parts of the, the county and the world. How cool would that be? I don't think God's just calling us all together just so we can all be together. No, we got plenty. We got an eternity in heaven together. Right now, we need to be getting to the world and telling them about Jesus. Amen. Lord God, I thank you for this day. You are the creator God. You are the God of the universe who has chosen to love sinful man. God, today we are broken people, but through you we are able to experience newness in life. Through your son Jesus Christ, by his shed blood on the cross. Today, Lord, we know that if we admit that we're a sinner and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with our mouth that he is Lord, that, Lord, we will be saved. So, Lord, today I pray to you, we call people to repentance. If there are people in this place today who do not know you, Father, today may they give their life to you. Lord, if there's believers here today who just need, they just need that gumption to go, Lord, would you send them with fire and fervor today? Lord, the next 40 days we're going to be thinking about that one in our lives. Father, I pray that you'd begin a work right now already in these people that you've placed in our life. Lord, I know my one. I've been praying for this guy for a long time. Lord, I pray that we'll go home as families to focus on these folks. And it's not a weird, creepy thing. Lord, we want these people to know you. Would you begin to open the doors? Would you begin the work of the Holy Spirit in their heart that they may be receptive to the good news of the gospel? And Lord, would you send us out with power and with fire so that people might be changed? Father, would you call people to these altars today that need to hear from you in your most holy name? Amen. Mm-hmm.